Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And your New York Knicks lose 105 to 103 to Houston on maybe the worst call of the year in the NBA. Certainly the worst call called against the Knicks this year. Uh, and absolutely egregious, disrespectful call and a clean closeout by Jalen Brunson to end the game. Let's talk about that. Plus Tibbs' weird rotations and how the Knicks fought to get back into this game only to get robbed by the refs next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking insights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that auto-download function on your favorite podcast app or the notification bell on YouTube after you subscribe on both, of course, so you never miss an episode, whichever is your favorite way to take in Locked On Knicks. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, as you can find Strick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And I delivered that whole opening spiel really fast because I'm really excited to talk about how terrible the end of this game was, Gavin. Uh, so the Knicks, down by a bunch at half, had a, honestly a pretty bad first half, although uh, now looking back at it more, uh, all the more frustrating that you know they just kind of were getting whacked all game and then to have the call that they have called on them at the end of the game just makes it that uh, much more painful, I guess. Uh, but let's just let's just set the stage a little bit here, Gavin. There was a uh, a take by Dante DiVincenzo at the end of the third quarter uh, where he he went up for a shot and then did kind of the old school, kicked his leg out a little this, bit. This while was a halftime, shooting. Alex. This was uh, end of the second. Oh, a halftime. My mistake. I forgot. I forgot which quarter it was in. I don't know. I'm a little flustered. Either way, <laughs> uh, at the end of the first half, kicks his leg out and gets called for uh, not just an offensive foul, but the the technical that goes with that for kicking your leg out now. Uh, rule that was, you know, enacted a couple years ago in the NBA to try to cut down on those sort of things. So, you know, initially it was called. I, I believe that they called it a foul. They did call it a foul. Yeah, on Houston. Houston challenge. Yeah. And then Houston challenge. They went back, they changed it, and they turned it into a technical foul and an offensive foul on Dante DiVincenzo. Okay, cool. So then to end this game, Houston has the ball with eight seconds to go. They bring it down. Jalen Green drives in, isn't able to, he gets, you know, shut off around the rim, kicks it out to Aaron Holiday, who gets the ball, goes for a heave from about 35 feet. Jalen Brunson closes out on him and goes by his right side to just try to get a little contest in there with his left hand, Jalen Brunson being left-handed, uh, makes the smallest bit of contact with uh, Aaron Holiday's legs that were conveniently kicked all the way out to the left side of his body. Both his legs, by the way, kicked over to the left side of his body, right in the path of where Jalen Brunson was coming for a contest as he just kind of wings it with one hand towards the hoop, which Brunson made no contact with, by the way, made no contact with that arm or anything involved with the shooting motion. And Brunson gets called with for a foul with like 0.3 seconds left on the clock. And then uh, Holiday makes two out of three free throws. The Rockets win 105 to 103 after the game was tied at that point after a really great fourth quarter by Bojan Bogdanovic, by Jalen Brunson, and by the Knicks in general in the second half to come back and get back into this game. The Knicks get 
absolutely shafted by the refs in a game where they basically made no, I mean, honestly, I won't say they made no foul calls. They certainly made plenty against the Knicks uh, on the inside and got pressed to Chua and Jericho Sims in foul trouble all throughout. Uh, but they called very few fouls on Houston. The Knicks only shot 12 free throws despite getting hit in the head almost every play. Uh, and the Knicks, uh, of course, lose on this foul call. I don't know, dude. I'm not sorry for ranting so much. I normally am of the opinion that if you blame the refs for a game, you probably didn't do enough to win it to begin with. But this was a pretty egregiously terrible ref game. And I'm really intrigued to see what's going to come out of this last two minute report. Yeah, it was it was a disgusting way to end what was what was a great game. And honestly, like an extraordinary effort by the Knicks. I thought, despite some some Dylan Brooks uh, chicanery that that is that is the lightest word I could use. Um, like it was a great effort by the Rockets. Like I thought, I thought they were locked in. They were missing Fred VanVleet. Like I, I thought they had an exceptional defensive game. It, it felt like a '90s playoff game. Like the 105-103 final score was was appropriate. Like it, it felt like a freaking war for this entire game and for the Knicks missing. I mean. OG, Randall, Mitch, Hartenstein, three starters, like one of their two best reserves um, to fight back the way they did. Brunson after just a crap first half, like 0 for 6, didn't make his first shot until halfway through the second quarter. The way he rebounded, the shot making from him, the step back to tie the game late. Precious Achua, man, gutty freaking defense. I think the Knicks win this game going away if they had had Isaiah Hartenstein because Shengun was murdering them. And it wasn't like some of it was like great footwork, great finishing. A lot of it was just bully ball because the Knicks were small in the middle. They were small in the middle down the stretch and precious on that last play. Like that, that was a kick out. Like he blocked that shot by Jalen green all the way out to perimeter. It was great defense. Jalen Brunson gets out there, tries to be like, I'm talking Knicks. I'm check out our, our buddy, Tom Piccolo's Twitter. Um, he had a really good angle on that. Brunson looked pretty vertical on the shot. Yeah, so Alex, I maybe I'm off about this. I actually thought the foul was on the arm, like like where he stuck his left arm out. But he also also made contact with the feet. Because to your point, Aaron Holiday, more egregiously than Dante DiVincenzo did, kicked his right leg out. So I'm putting up, this is an article for Basketball News in 2021. If we all remember, the rules got changed. So you weren't allowed to do those things because Trey Young was torturing defenders doing this. Emmanuel quickly as a rookie got the bulk of his points torturing defenders doing this. So... Given that room change, a shooter is no longer, or, or an unnatural shooting motion is when a shooter leans into or jumps into a defender in an unnatural way. That is sticking your arm out. When an offensive player abruptly veers sideways into a defender, or simply stops in front of him, wasn't the case here. When a shooter kicks their legs up or sideways in an unnatural way to initiate contact with a defender. When an offensive player uses his non-shooting arm to hook a defender. That is, if anything, an offensive foul. It was a blatantly unnatural shooting motion. And you couldn't see that. Like, I I have infinite sympathy for refs making, like, a 50-50 call incorrect. But when a player is taking a game-winning shot with one hand and chucking it up, and it is not because the defender just ran into him and turned him around, that is a no-call. That is a freaking no-call, and that game should have gone to overtime. I don't know if the Knicks win. They were exhausted. They were gassed down the stretch. Maybe they don't. But in what was a crucial game for the Knicks in the Eastern Conference stand, when this team is battling their butts off to survive with four key rotation pieces out, to end the game like that, it is basketball malpractice. It's basketball travesty. Just a horrific way to end this basketball game. 
Yeah, and I mean, on top of it, even even like you said, you know, sometimes a bang bang play happens, you know, whatever. Except for then they went and they reviewed it, and they still said the same thing. Well, they so, can only oh, yeah, they can only review it for if it was on time. They can't review the foul. Yeah. But but to your point, like that was an avenue to get it right, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, I mean, it sucks. I'm uh, I'm so annoyed. I honestly, yeah. I you know, like I said, it's just I don't normally I normally whatever like the refs, you know, they're gonna call the game one way or the other. Uh, Tibbs made a good point. I mean, to be honest, I wish Tibbs would have just torn the refs a new one in his post-game presser and just ate the fine. I'm sure Dolan would have paid it or something, or Leon Rose would have paid it. I don't know. Like, I think something needs to be said at this point because we do see this so consistently where the Knicks are just getting the crap hacked out of them and not getting calls most of the game. And this, in this game, like, man, I love Mike Breen. He's one of the best of all time. And yet, the, the way that he goes to bat for officials sometimes just annoys the crap out of me. Like in this game, they're blatantly, he's blatantly just saying, well, you know, and this was before the final call. Luckily the final call, he was like, I don't think that was a foul. And you know, both of them, him and yeah. Wally were like, no, that's definitely not a foul. What the hell was that? But earlier in the game, Breen's like, well, they just play physical defense. So if you play physical defense, you get to foul all the time. And, you know, if they only he, he call did, He did them, say at one point they needed to tighten it up. I definitely heard that. But maybe maybe I missed some other stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just going by what he was saying earlier in the game. Yeah. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like, I'm tired of that crap, like, with these teams. And I guess maybe that just follows Udoka around because his Celtics got the same preferential BS treatment that his stupid Rockets team gets now. And I don't understand it. And it's... I don't know. It annoys the crap out of me, man. I don't, I don't like it. Like it's, it, it feels very crooked. And for a league like the NBA that has as much of a history of that, it's impossible not to at least think about it when you, when you see that it, one team gets called an entirely different way than the other team in a game. One that I might add, maybe that's something to do with Shangun becoming, uh, going from questionable to active officially before the game, but where the line, shifted from Knicks minus four and a half to Rockets minus one minutes before game time. It it can't help but raise some questions. I mean, it was just, it was, it was disgusting. It was a disgusting game. And I, I hope to forget it as soon as humanly possible. It, the, the Udoka's teams, I, I think this is actually, this, this, this is a compliment, I guess, but they, they're hyper-physical in a league that is terrified to be hyper-physical because the way games are called. And I think what Udoka says is all right. If you're going to call everything, let's get our freaking money's worth and beat the crap out of another team. But what happened tonight is like it wasn't called when that was like I have never like Brunson is a guy who hits the floor a lot. I haven't seen him hit the floor this much over a three game stretch, much less in one game. Like it was over and over. He was getting killed. And in a league that protects their superstars, Jalen Brunson is not treated that way. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. Because he is that caliber of player, and maybe, like, maybe they they need another year for him to be fully cemented in that status. But he he gets treated like a rookie. Like he he has zero respect from officials. Like like Tibbs at different times has gone to bat for him. And to your point tonight, for whatever reason, just didn't. But the way he was attacking and wasn't really getting rewarded for it. I mean, Josh Hart as well, and the Knicks. The Knicks. I like look like what was the what was the final free throw 33 to 12 it was yeah 33 to 12 I mean the rock the Rockets were the more physical team the Knicks didn't have a lot of rim protection they should have shot more free throws in this game it should not have been 33 to 12 and again and again we'll we'll, we'll get into it more next segment but the, the the fact that the Knicks still almost could have won 
tells you what an incredibly gutty effort this was. But th- this this game, it's it's not going to break the Knicks season. But when you're looking at a team that is desperately fighting, like I, I I know this isn't the stated intent, but in my mind, this is the intent to get out of the Celtics side of the bracket. It is now two games behind the Bucks and now three games behind the Cavs. And the fact that they pulled this kind of effort out in the second half without all those guys and they they don't they have nothing to show for it, it it is just brutal. And I can't help but think like that magic game, Alex, later this week is going to be so telling whether they shrivel up and they're like, we're exhausted, like we just need to get in the break and they get their butts kicked, or if they come out and pull out a win. And and knowing this team, like that game's gonna come down to the wire too. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I mean, the shriveling might not be up to them. It might just happen purely from overuse. Uh, We're going to talk about that in just a second. We'll get into our next segment. Tibbs, uh, for all that he did, at least on the court, getting a technical foul and all that stuff, which he doesn't always do, uh, did have a very bizarre rotation decision in the second half, which ultimately ended in Dante DiVincenzo ending his night early for what looked like a hamstring pull or something along those lines so we're gonna see where that ends up going but uh first i'm gonna let everybody know about our friends over at prize picks so prize picks is america's number one fantasy sports app with over three million members they're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports it's just you against the numbers and you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in and man it's demon time on prize picks. Certainly it was demon time for the refs in the in this game. <laughs> Maybe not in the sense that uh you might normally use that, but they were they were demons, all right. Uh you can now win up to a hundred times your money with as little as four correct picks, and you could turn ten dollars into a thousand dollars potentially. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons. Or green goblins, not the Spider-Man kind, the prize picks kind, get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. That's pretty crazy. Uh, and Gavin, the best part is that prize picks is really simple to play, and I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds and get quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, Gavin, we're back in. To keep talking through this game, and uh, I think we got the ref stuff out of our system. I'm sure maybe we'll come up one more time. Uh, but we should probably talk about uh, the one thing that stood out to me. If we're gonna take something away from the Knicks in this game, is Tibbs's rotations made no sense to me in the second half. He played the entire starting lineup despite Presha Chu and Jericho Sims like each taking turns getting into foul trouble over and over again. He played the entire starting lineup the entire third quarter before making a substitution. Uh, that was Brunson, DiVincenzo, Sims, Hart, Achua. And then finally, like going into the fourth, you know, gives Bogdanovich a little bit of a chance, gets Alec Burks in there for a few minutes. Bogdanovich ends with 23 minutes. Burks ends with about 17. Uh, Deuce and Taj got just a couple minutes each, like five minutes each. Taj had to come in for a little bit uh, in the first half, uh, mostly to spell Sims and Achua when they were in foul trouble. And like I give Simpson and Chu a lot of credit. They did they did well to 
you know, kind of rein things in a bit and both ended up with only four personal fouls by the end of this game. So like they managed to not foul down the stretch, which was great, but I did not understand this decision. And then we saw, you know, again, whether you, you know, I know it's like, it's kind of corny to be like, Oh, these professional athletes, like if you keep playing them 40 minutes a game, like they're going to get hurt or whatever, but like, we're kind of seeing it start to happen a little bit. Like Dante DiVincenzo in this game, comes up lame in the fourth quarter because he had played so many freaking minutes and, you know, it was already at 41 minutes by the time he left the game. And then it goes back with a hamstring injury, was trying to like Theragun it out on the sideline and couldn't ultimately go back in and had to go back to the locker room. Hopefully it's something he can just deal with with treatment, but I don't know, like you just traded for depth. <laughs> like why not throw them out there? And part of the problem in the third quarter was the Knicks didn't have enough creation. Like they didn't have enough shot creation. It was basically just Brunson versus the world. And then, uh, you know, DiVincenzo sometimes getting a, a look from three and then otherwise just kind of hoping for the Kobe assist to pressure the chewer or Jericho Sims. And that was it. Like that was the offense in the third quarter. I really thought they could have used some of that shot creation, even if it's not Bogdanovich Burks, like who is a guy that Tibbs definitely trusts. He started him a point guard for a whole freaking season. Like, I don't understand why one of those guys didn't get in to spell these guys and get more of a rest. And like what ended up happening eventually was those guys, those guys did come in that allowed Brunson to get a rest at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then he was able to finish really strong. I just, it, it made no sense to me, the, these rotations in this game. And, and, uh, you know, it was probably the most baffling thing other than the refereeing in this game to me. Yeah. I, I'm ultimately with you. Like, I, I just, I don't say you can play those guys the whole third quarter. I, I guess in Tibbs's defense, it, it, it didn't kill the Knicks down the stretch with the exception of DiVincenzo getting hurt. Like they Brunson and Hart still somehow had reserves. It, it would have probably caught. I mean, that, that's the thing we're not saying here. Like it probably catches up to them in overtime. Again, they they deserve the chance to see if they could pull one more rabbit out of the hat. I think if I'm if I'm going to go inside Tom Thibodeau's head, which is 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 is, is, a, is a dark dark place. Um, I I think I think his logic was with Bogdanovich is that it's just hard to play him big minutes right now because the whole premise of acquiring a guy who is such an immensely talented offensive player. And to be clear, I, I think in his two games with the Knicks, he's been closer to below average than than terrible on defense, but is generally, as uh, we'll get into on tomorrow's podcast with the Kuka Heel considered um, an, an awful defender and, and has been that the last two years with the Pistons. Like I think the premise of the Knicks acquiring him was you're going to have OG Ananobi. You're going to have one of Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hartenstein or, or ideally a Jericho Sims that isn't in foul trouble to, to insulate him and protect him on defense. And in this game, you don't have that. And I, I need to rewatch like live. I didn't think it was Bogdanovich's fault, but when he came in in the first half, the Rockets um, ripped off that, that like long run to end the second quarter. He was something like, like when he came back in, in the fourth, like he was, he was minus 18 for the game or something that was only playing briefly in the first half. So I think that's where Tibbs was coming from there. And Burks just, Burks just couldn't hit a shot. Um, that being said, like at least Burks is a shooter, like Bogdanovich, like you can put him in with heart. Um, with with Sims, like I tonight, I'm I'm with you. They just needed to play some other guys, and Divincenzo in particular. I mean, another 41 minutes on his docket, like it it is just a little bit too much right now. And the Knicks, like I I have rarely seen a team, um, in in my decade or so covering the NBA that has needed an All Star break more than these Knicks. Uh, but Alex, let's uh, unless you had more on the substitutions, let's let's get into some positives. Like what was 
what was something or, or unless you want to talk about the beginning of this game which was just so ugly for the Knicks like like what what stood out to you in, a, in an actual basketball sense in this one yeah I'm kind of done talking about the bad stuff at this point um <laughs> let's just uh, we'll talk about the good stuff and then close out I'm I'm freaking exhausted man what a freaking game uh yeah I think I think Bogdanovich was the big plus to me in the in the second half. Like this was the Bogdanovich that we were hoping to see. You know, we saw obviously the gravity that he had in the you know in the last game, but didn't see the results. You know, he ended up shooting like three of ten in the last game. This game seven of thirteen does a lot of that damage in the fourth quarter for fifteen points, uh, four boards, and like I didn't think that he was necessarily chucking either. Like he ended up no assists for him, but like I thought that he was doing a good job of reading situations well and, you know, trying to generate offense because he knew that was what he had to do with Brunson on the bench and yet also not, like, hijacking, which I don't know if we can necessarily say the same for Alec Burks yet at this point. It's, he's had a, a rough first couple games, even if he caught a little more fire in the last game. Uh, it, it's It's been a lot of, like, the ball touches Burks' hands. You assume he's going to shoot it. But Bogdanovich, I think, did a good job of just, like, generating some looks you know, picking his spots very well. Uh, you know, he got a little hot from three, which was nice at one point. I mean, actually, I guess I say that, but he was only one of five. It felt like he got hot from three. The he one was three big. was huge. Yeah. Yeah. The one three was really big. So, I mean, I guess he came through in a, in a clutch spot. The other one was a little awkward. Like he kind of took a step back that took him. It felt like a step too it, far. It was back. off such a beautiful pass from Brunson too. And he was yeah. wide open and just, just blew it. Couldn't quite do it, but Otherwise, I thought it was a good game for him. So that's probably the first thing I would hang my hat on. Uh, and then we can, I'm sure, get to Brunson in a minute too. But, you know, I yeah. just, he's the new guy. I wanted to give him some some shine first. Um, I have some more thoughts on on uh, Bogey and Brunson. But, Alex, if you're anything like me after this game, uh, you probably need some therapy. So let, let's talk about our good friends over at BetterHelp. This segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes we need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you like awful officiating. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. Sorry, Alex, that can't be you. So today I want to say how I feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. It was the end of this Knicks-Rockets game. This is called brand synergy right here because I was pissed. I'm going to be honest. I was pissed. I was not happy um, after this one. Uh, and and sometimes you just need a little bit of help processing and dealing with your emotions. And and to me, the most important thing that therapy has taught me is even even with things that are are, are worse than uh, the Knicks losing a basketball game on a on a on a, on a cheating evil call. Um, emo- emotions are temporary. Feelings are temporary. Grief even is is temporary and and it's important to work your way through it instead of shutting yourself off to it because then you'll never feel better. Uh, Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. All right, uh, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Bojan Bogdanovic, um, uh, to my earlier point, slightly slightly dicey first half, did have one like really nice back down where you got Aaron Holiday on a switch, and, and you're starting to see 
the uh, off the dribble game from him, which which is something that uh, we get into a little bit on again in tomorrow's pod with Koo. But I, I didn't necessarily know this about him, Alex, before he came over to the Knicks. Twenty five percent of his shots this year coming um, on either three to six dribbles, um, shooting forty nine percent on those looks. So he is absolutely someone who can get his own shot, and, and like even even more than the spacing. He provides to the Knicks. If there was one thing I could boil down to and in why the Knicks made it a priority to go and get him, it's that ability because no one other than Jalen Brunson um, and uh, Julius Randle and, and of late Dante DiVincenzo consistently provides that for the New York Knicks. And come playoff time, they're really going to need it. So that was big. And, and then coming off the bench, fourth quarter, like can't hit a three. That one miss was super duper frustrating. But he he just made big play after big play. Like he, he actually got a strip defensively. Um led to a run out that ultimately had the Knicks down by just six, like hit the three drive off the glass to cut it to five. Like he was, he was cooking um, down the stretch. Like had the one three was off a really, it was a one good play. Alec Burks made this entire game outside of the three that he hit, um, which was like kind of an unselfish pass when Burks drew two. That was the one time this game that Alec Burks was unselfish. Um, Jalen Brunson uh, second half for him um, was, was pretty masterful after that. 0 for 6 start. Like you could tell this was a game where he was not 100%. The Rockets with, with Precious Achua and Jericho Sims playing together for long stretches were just throwing body after body. Dylan Brooks was like, I mean, Brunson, like this, this before the worst call was the worst call. Brunson got called for a foul on a play where, where Dylan Brooks like elbowed him four feet under the basket. Like it was, it was that type of night for Jalen Brunson. And, and he just kept coming back like that snatchback elbow jumper down the stretch to make it 95 to 83. I thought some of his passes in this game, Alex, which I'm sure you'll get into more, were just ridiculous. Like did have four assists in the first quarter, including an absolute bullet of a bouncer to Jericho Sims for a dunk when he had a seal. Um, I thought that maybe his best one of the day was to Bogdanovich in that mystery. The second best one of the day was like in, um, it, he was doubled and he just slung it with his left hand over his shoulder back to Josh Hart, who was, who was confident shooting from three. And, and then the, the game tying shot from Brunson was just, was just gutty and unbelievable. And, and I thought epitomized what he's been doing all season for this team. And it's, it, it's a shame. It didn't matter. Yeah. The passing was fantastic. I mean, I was going to highlight that one to Sims as well. That was just like next level vision, next level placement, you know, to just mm -hmm. be able to like rifle that in right where it needed to be. It's like quarterback wide receiver stuff where like the wide receiver doesn't even have to look. It's just going to be in oh, his yeah. hand, you know, from like a really good quarterback. Uh, and Brunson certainly is the quarterback for the Knicks. Uh, the, the late game shot making as well. I mean, again, like, you know, makes the last couple buckets for the Knicks and, you know, that final shots tie things up. Uh, uh, like you said, is just what he does. I mean, he's he's a as clutch as clutch can be. Um, you know, goes out there, gets the Knicks whatever they need. In rewatching his uh his attempts, which I was just doing while while you were talking there and, and listening, uh I I also noticed he uh, apparently I forgot about this one, but got uh probably what should have been a flagrant foul on him when Jabari Smith landed right in his landing zone and he landed on his foot and fell over again but you know like, don't call that because it's the knicks you know it's not it's not an all-star or anything it's fine uh he, he could sprain his ankle again who cares you know it's whatever the league is better off if he's on the bench obviously you know and if he's getting flagrantly fouled anyway uh i'm still not over the refing, so i'm just gonna <laughs> shut up on brunson can tell <laughs> yeah um but josh hart had a really good game too i thought he had a really great second half the rebounding the push in the pace um shooting with confidence we see like what that makes it, it, it's so it, he's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde sometimes, right? Because he played 42 minutes in this game. And lately I've been like, 
you can't have him out there for that long. Like it just doesn't work because if you have a guy out there that's that tentative, no matter what he gives you in the other aspects of the game, it's just not going to, it's not going to work. You can't play four on five on offense. And yet in this game, he comes out confidently stepping into three, shoots three of five, made some really key ones down the stretch. Uh, I loved what we saw out of him and it, it's all just comes down to confidence with him. And I don't understand why he doesn't approach every game exactly like he did this one. Uh, it's one of the uh, life's great mysteries and the and the great mysteries of the Knicks. But uh, I applaud his effort. I thought he had a really, really fantastic game and and definitely, I mean, again, played 42 minutes. He himself is pretty banged up. And so props to him that he's he's still going out there and putting in 40 something minutes for this team right now. But it was it, the Knicks needed every bit of it. I, I, I think it's like I think he's a I don't I don't think he's a he's a bad shooter. Like I, I know what the numbers say. For his career, I just don't buy it because he gets into these games sometimes. And I'm surprised we didn't see this from him in the Heat series, but where his back is against the wall, like the Mavericks game is also a perfect example of it. And he just starts, I mean, it's confidence, but he starts shooting stronger. Like his shot is always a line drive, but when he misses, is almost always short. And he starts like he gets into FU mode and he puts just a little more heat on it. And it starts going right into the basket. Like to your point, if, if we got that from him every night, we got that confidence from him every night, he's a different player. The Knicks are just a more dangerous team because the question, Alex, like, like right now, we're, 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 we're in the thick of it, right? We're, we're in basketball hell with the New York Knicks. We're, we're, we're in war right now with the Knicks. Like I, I, I use that analogy very intentionally in the first episode. Guys are dropping like flies. People have to step up. Um, but when when this team gets healthy, and we actually like get to look at this team as a whole, the question I think is starting going to be coming, all right, at the end of these games, you're always going to have Jalen Brunson out there. You're always going to have OG Ananobi out there. You're always going to have Julius Randle out there. You're going to have one of Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hardenstein. Who's that fifth guy going to be? And 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 it's bogey maybe by default, but if Josh Hart plays this confidently or if Dante DiVincenzo keeps up what he's been doing this year, could easily be one of those two guys. And that, I think, down the stretch of this season, that is going to be the question we're trying to answer. And Hart, Hart at his best, showed you why he deserves to be in that conversation. This one, I, I thought he had what were some game saving plays in terms of his transition defense, like twice on Amen Thompson, once getting back and just kind of laying him out in, in a picture perfect way that, that he couldn't even get the ball up and he ended up missing two free throws. And then two possessions later, Thompson, who really impressed me in this one, Alex, I'm strip Brunson and Hart sprints down the floor, strips him right back. I like th this was one of my favorite Josh Hart games ever as a New York Nick. Um, before we wrap up, like again, wasn't, wasn't great from Burks. Deuce didn't really get to play. Taj, thankfully didn't really get to play. Um, I, I thought um, I'll, I'll let you like, you, uh, you can get into him too, but I, I thought it was just a gutty effort from both precious to and Jericho Sims. Sims just didn't get to play a lot with the foul trouble, but the way he slid his feet, like he had some sublime defensive possessions, even though both those guys got just eaten up by Shengun at points. And, and Achu, we mentioned that block at the end. That was great. Another 17 rebound outing for him. Um, Again, I think Hartenstein just makes such a big difference. You see it in offense too, where Achua just had no idea what he was doing on the short roll and, and, and it led to a shot clock violation. But defensively down the stretch of this game, Shengun got him a couple of times. Like, like we know about the wedgie play. There was another miss. Like I, I thought the away Achua battled, like it was, was inspirational, honestly, to, to, to wrap up this fourth quarter and gave the Knicks a chance. Yeah. And he had a really key play where he, he got initially beat by Shengun and yet then baited him into an offensive foul, which Shengun was like, what, you mean I'm not allowed to push a guy off with my whole arm? Like, Oh, ugh. you know, whatever. 
um because you know they didn't get enough calls all game but uh <laughs> precious i mean i thought played really good defense down the stretch he's also made me feel really smart like after the trade went down for og where precious was in there like i was looking at his rebounding percentage and i was like man this i think this guy can rebound like i mean he, it's not quite you know hartenstein or mitch levels but you know there, he gets rebounds for sure and at a pretty high level and he's He's proven, you know, now that he's comfortable, he can do that in spades. And, you know, he showed some of the same stuff, too. You know, they showed, uh, it, to your point, not necessarily the best, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say play finisher because I'm about to say that his play finishing is pretty good. But, like, not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily make the best decisions and short roll and stuff like that. But play finishing around the rim gives you that verticality and, like, threw down another really thunderous dunk uh, in this game off a of pick and roll and, you know, getting all the way into the cup. Like you love to see that stuff. Cause that's something the Knicks don't get out of a lot of their players. Cause it's just a very ground bound team that, that doesn't generally get vertical like that, especially with Ananobi out. So those are always good plays to have uh, up your, up your sleeve in your back pocket. Uh, but yeah, I thought Achua was great. Great. Last greatest uh, achievement that, Achua had in this game is uh, tweeting out nasty work with a face palm emoji after this game because it truly was nasty work. I don't want to talk about it anymore, Gavin. Unless you have anything else to say, I'm finito. Let's get done with the show. No, I <laughs> I, I know I I sent you right over to BetterHelp with with how long we stretched this podcast out. So we'll, we'll wrap it up now. You should go check out BetterHelp. Um, regardless of this game, therapy is good. So on that happy note, uh, tough tough night for your New York Knicks again. Again, we gotta. I'll, I'll I'll end on one quick positive. We gotta look at the bigger picture. You, your New York Knicks, one game before the All Star break, are fourth in the Eastern Conference. They're twelve games over five hundred. They've had pretty close to the worst injury luck, like I've I've seen from a, from a Knicks team, like outside of um, KP tearing his ACL. Um, thankfully, nothing nothing that bad. But like th this has been a miserable last ten days, just from a luck perspective for the Knicks, and 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 the heart that this team showed was like, like it is a team I'm proud to root for. I'm proud to cover. I know you feel the same way, Alex. So that that's really cool. Again, great pod coming for you tomorrow. Kuka heel, uh, breaking down everything. Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks brings to the table. I know we've gotten to see them for two games, but kind of a bigger picture perspective. Got me really fired up about what Bojan is going to be offensively. Um, but until next time, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks. <laughs>